our Old Testament lesson. As we begin the new year, thinking about comfort in Jesus Christ is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every mountain shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. Sorry, every valley shall be lifted up. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I say, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some familiar uh, words here. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Again, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> First Peter 1, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Well, may God bless us as we now read responsibly the Catechism and as we then hear uh, teaching from his holy word. I ask you, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Question two, how many things must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three, first, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. <clears throat> Our three uh, scripture readings from earlier bring together this metaphor of shepherd and sheep. Very important to us as we think about belonging, body and soul, in life and in death to Jesus. Isaiah prophesied that a divine Messiah would come. He would come, and what would he do? Tend his flock like a shepherd. Gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. In John's Gospel, Jesus famously declares that he himself is the good shepherd. A divine title, if you're thinking about Isaiah 40, certainly. He owns the sheep. Again, a divine calling. 
He leads his sheep and he lays down his life for them. In both those readings, it is clear. We are the sheep. We belong to the shepherd. Our third reading from 1 Peter then presents something of a surprise. It tells us that our shepherd also became a lamb without blemish. And it was his death, his precious blood, that ransomed us from our former life. This ransom is a language of purchase. A payment was made. Our shepherd purchased us. How? By being made a sheep. By dying as a spotless lamb, the shepherd purchased us for himself, that we might be his flock forever and forever. But before we consider the great comforts that we have in being a flock that belongs to this good shepherd, it's good for us to identify some common sources of counterfeit comforts that we are tempted to turn to. Ask yourself, when life is difficult, where do I turn to find comforts? To have alleviation from the sin and misery that faces me. Unfortunately, we don't always turn to Jesus, the one who has redeemed us, lawbreakers, to forever belong to him. There are other places we turn. We may take refuge in food, a tub of ice cream or a box of chocolates. Maybe that'll do the trick for us. We may find comfort in drink, imagining we can drown away our sorrows. We may turn to sex, even pornography, or perhaps the acquisition of more material goods is our thing. The swipe of a credit card, the click of a button, can help us forget our troubles. But while some of these things can relieve some pain for a brief moment, none of them addresses our underlying problem. They are not a true and lasting source of true comfort. They are a counterfeit. You see, our underlying problem, the thing that is beneath all the symptoms, is that we are a fallen race that lives inside a fallen world. Sin has alienated us from direct communion with God in God's holy place. We've been exiled from his presence, 1 Peter 1. The world we inhabit now is not the heavenly temple we were created to enjoy. And so what is it that can then address the underlying problem of being estranged from God and his holy place. Certainly not the things I just named. They are counterfeits. They cannot address the estrangements that plagues us. But when we turn then instead to Jesus in the midst of our trials, we find the one who is more than able to address the underlying estrangements. Our second point, the comfort of belonging to Christ. Recall how Isaiah 40 opened. The Lord commissioned his prophet Isaiah 
to comfort God's people. God instructs Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people. Why did Israel need to be comforted? Well, in the very uh, pr prior chapter, God had announced that they were heading out into exile. They would become captives of Babylon. This exile into Babylon should be understood as a reenactment of our exile from the Garden of Eden. Like Israel, God sent us out of his holy place. He sent us forth because of our sins. We were given over then to lives of hardship and of misery. So even though you've likely never been to Babylon, that exile is about you. It was a reenactment of our ancient exile from the Garden of Eden. But that sorrowful message of exile would not have the last word. Before Adam and Eve departed, the Lord comforted them with the first gospel promise and then clothed them with animal skins covering their sin and their shame. In the same way, the Lord told Isaiah to comfort his people that were about to go into exile. They're about to leave. And this was not a comfort based on the trinkets of this world that are a counterfeit source of comfort. Instead, God declares comfort based upon his commitment to change the fortunes of his people. He would act. In spite of their sins, God would save them. Isaiah 40 tells us that God would bring an end to their enmity, an end to their estrangements. He would not only pardon their sins, but he would give them double. He would take their sins as payment and bless them abundantly. A glorious action of God. He would reveal his glory to them, leading them once again like a flock through the wilderness, tenderly caring for them, bringing an end to their bondage and to their exile. You see, our exile will not last forever. God himself brings it to an end. This is our only true comfort. Understand, God has fulfilled this. He has done this and is doing this through Jesus Christ. Christ is the one mediator. Jesus, the one source of this salvation. The only one who can address the underlying problems that plague us, estrangement from communion with God, and welcome into His holy place. Only Jesus can rectify that problem. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. His death on the cross has brought us 
the forgiveness of our sins, and even more, righteousness in exchange for those sins. The Son has removed our warfare. We are no longer at enmity with God and He with us. A terrifying thought. But God has absorbed God the Father's wrath that was once directed toward us, such that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Son leads us forth out of bondage to Satan, to sin, to the world, and eventually to death. As a good shepherd, he leads us, he tends us, he cares for us, and feeds us. What a true and lasting comfort you have in God your Savior, who has come to you in the Son, the Son who became Christ, Messiah, for us. He alone can address our underlying sin and misery. Our second point. Third and finally, we have comforts in all contexts. This warrants some emphasis and some lingering here. Even as our, comfort spe our catechism speaks of being comforted both in life and also in death. For it should be clear to us that Jesus does not and has not brought us immediately to glory. No, the good shepherd is waiting patiently for all of his sheep to be gathered into his fold. He cannot rush this. He must wait. He will not leave any of them outside his gates, outside his pastures. He will bring them all to everlasting glory. And so we wait. We wait with patience. And we wait with endurance, waiting for the time when every tear will be wiped from our eyes. This means that we stand in need of comfort while we are still living. One of my professors would say that when we say the catechism, it's not just that it is in life and in death, but perhaps a better way of understanding the meaning here is that I'm not my own, but belong, body and soul, in living and in dying. A more active thing. In all our living and in all our dying, we belong to Jesus. So the fact that we have misery now means we need comfort in all of our living. Thorns and thistles still afflict us in our work. We still endure pain and childbearing that fractures our families and relationships. Husbands and wives still struggle to live harmoniously with one another. And so we must recognize that Jesus is the only true source in the, of comfort in the face of all this misery. He alone brings lasting healing. He alone offers unchanging forgiveness. He alone empowers us to work and to love when we are inclined to the opposites. He alone grants freedom and rescue from despair and sin and loneliness. Money cannot do it. Power and success cannot do it. Our willpower cannot do it. Jesus Christ is the only true comfort in all of our living. He is also the only true comfort in all of our dying. Now, one of the only gripes that I have about the liturgical forms that our denomination adopted about 10 years ago 
is that it changed one line that I just am so sad about. Within the baptism liturgy, there's a prayer right before the baptism, whether it's a child or an adult. And the prayer is one of comfort for the recipients of baptism. And it's a prayer that he or she would find comfort when leaving this life, which is nothing but a constant death. I think that's kind of morbid, Pastor Zach. That's the line that you're really uh, upset about losing. It's such a key statement that helps us get to grips with what Paul says elsewhere, that while we are inwardly being renewed, outwardly we are wasting away. We walk this entire life in the valley of the shadow of death. And so we experience the afflictions of death even when a young child, even when in our years of vitality, which are behind me, we experience in our bodies the pain of death as we outwardly waste away in this life, which is nothing but a constant death. And then that constancy of death comes to its consummate form when we stop breathing our hearts stop pumping, our neurons stop firing. Theologically, we die. When our soul and body are separated from one another, we are dead. And so in all of our dying, whether we are experiencing that sorrow in this life, or we are in the throes of death in the final moments, the Lord Jesus owns us. What a comfort. He came taking humanity to himself. <clears throat> Although he was righteous, he lived in a world where there was nothing but a constant death. He did not deserve it. But he led that life. He entered into the pains of the consummate form of death body and soul separated, laid into the grave. Why? Well, one reason is that He might own you in all of your dying. Not just own your soul, but own your body. You belong to Jesus. No matter your circumstances, you feel alive and vital. You feel in pain and broken. Jesus owns you. He came for that very reason. Your good shepherd will not lose his sheep. Not one ounce of you, for all of you, belongs to Jesus. And so, as we consider this new year that lies ahead of us, and how we might then glorify God in 2024, Let's begin where the catechism begins, by laying a foundation of Christian comforts. <clears throat> we belong to Jesus. May we avoid turning other places for this consolation, but rather let us hear the message of Isaiah, who is commanded to comfort, comfort God's people. A good shepherd would come. He would gather his sheep to himself. He would lead them, Tend them, 
care for them and feed them, you and I experience that today because we belong to Jesus, the Christ. Amen.